from the yeehaws to the yahoos and everything in between this podcast is for you hey guys you voted and you gave us an answer of who you wanted to, to hear and we'll be excited to know that we have the man, the myth, the legend, Dito Anderson. I'm here against my will. <laughs> no, he was jumping for joy. He could not wait to do this interview. I, we won't say how much we paid him to do it, though. It was quite a bit. <laughs> All right, Dito. How long have you had horses? Uh, since the early 80s. Wow. I got out of it for about 20 years. And then... I was down at the ball field talking to Antoinette, told me she's barrel raced. I said, I used to do that. And she told me they had a show right here. <laughs> so I come up here that evening and uh, run into an old buddy of mine, Alan Schaefer. Yeah. And he oh, said, I remember Alan. He said, I got the horse for you down here. I went down and looked at him. I said, well, let me find a place to keep him. <laughs> <laughs> went that week, found a place to put him, so ended up with him. That's cool. So what did you, did you start out barrel racing? Is that what you've always done? Uh, yeah. Pretty much? Uh-huh. So how old were you when you started? Uh, probably late 30s, early 40s maybe. Did you get out of it for any particular reason or just life circumstances? <laughs> I got out because I had to have my horse put down. Oh. Yeah, he was a good one. Yeah. What horse was, what was, what horse was that? Uh, Streak of Boston. Okay. How long did you have him? Uh, probably about nine, ten years. Oh wow! So you you were you were buddies then, I guess. Yeah, uh, he was a good horse. He was in '86. He was second in the barrels and the poles at the Congress. Oh, oh wow! wow. That's come, awesome. I come out of my third barrel a little bit wild and got beat by two hundredths per second. Oh, wow! <laughs> but in the poles, well, the girl, that's pretty awesome. In the poles, the girl beat me pretty bad because <laughs> she had been the youth champion for about five years in a row. <laughs> Horses, what horse did you start on then? Uh, Tough Irish Flash. The old Tough okay. Irish Flash. Yeah, I remember him. Yeah. Okay. He was a pretty good horse. Just... So, if you had to pick one favorite horse out of any horse that you've ever owned, would wow. it be Streak or would it be another one? <laughs> oh, that's a tough question. <laughs> you had some good ones, so I would <laughs> yeah. agree. Yeah, because, well, Streak and Tater, man. Well, Doc, too, they're all three tough. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Be between those three. Yeah, as far as running, probably be street because I could yeah. I could ride him, but that was a long time ago. Yeah. I could send him for half a mile, and he'd sit down, and turn the barrel. That's oh, awesome. That, oh, those the, are fun. those are hard to yeah. come and replace. But <clears throat> the first year I rode him, I rode him for a whole year and didn't get through the pattern. <laughs> I didn't know how to ride. I was just starting out. Yeah. I went to a Connie Combs clinic and she told me what to do. Yeah. And as luck would have it that fall, I got hurt. Didn't get a ride all winter, nothing. <laughs> so I just sat there and it all sunk in. Yeah. And the next next spring, I come out smoking on him. <laughs> oh, wow. So I guess that saying's true with riders, too. Sometimes you let the horse sit and think on it a little bit. Maybe that's true for riders, too. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So tell us some differences from when when you first started what do you think the biggest differences are from when you first started barrel racing like back in the 80s to to now 
Uh, people complain about the ground a lot now. Yeah. And back then, they wouldn't have such things to drag. You just run on whatever you went to. Grass, yeah, sir. Yeah, we run yeah, on grass and hard dirt, just anything. Yeah. We wasn't very smart back then. Well, I think horses <laughs> were honestly a lot tougher back then, too. I think that uh, they don't make them as tough as they once were. Yeah, back then they run eight or ten classes a day. Yeah. How many years did you see horses back then run many, many years? Oh, uh, yeah, there was a few of them run up into their 30s. Yeah. Their 30s? Yeah. See, wow. they can't make them that tough anymore. No. I mean, there's That's... no way that I could get one of my horses to 20, probably, much less 30. <laughs> well, they're like people. Some of them yeah. run a long time, some of them don't. Yeah. yeah, that's true. That's yeah. very true. What were the entry fees back then? Oh, I don't really remember. It wasn't very much, 5 or $10, something maybe. Was there added money? <laughs> no. No added money? You just... Not that I remember. So you would say it definitely pays more now than oh, then? Yeah. Yeah. Could you pay for your weekend then if you went? Like, could you pay for your entry fees and your gas if you did well? Uh, sometimes. So you, so you, so yeah. you did get... A little bit back anyway. Yeah. It, it was worth going to a show for. Now, when you first started, I know once upon a time, I've been told a long time ago, but when you first started, did they have divisions then? Or was it just the one day? No, it was just one day. You either placed in the top five or nothing. Yeah. <coughs> yeah, that was it. It's hard to imagine <laughs> compared to now. Yeah. So, and, go ahead. And back then, you know, you go to a local show, they might be two three good horses and now everybody's got a good horse yeah we were just talking like last night there was 15 horses in the first division but from a 15 yeah. 6 to a 16 0 oh, there 15 were 15 horses, horses. Yeah. that is crazy it is. That's and there's wild. more horses like tater that should have been in there you know so i mean there there should have been more horses than that yeah that more horses that. that can even compete at that level yeah, yeah. oh yeah there's several horses that didn't make or knocked or whatever yeah. you know yeah. So, like Rachel, she not oh, far Brian, as she Brian. Had, I mean, I can think of several that yeah. should have been up there too. So yeah, that's in, that's crazy. I feel like I feel like we we have highs and lows in West Virginia. Like we we have a lot of really fast horses for a while, and then it seems like they either get older, get hurt, or whatever. And then it seems like there's not as many. And right now, you can go to a 30 horse show, and I feel <laughs> like the top five horses out of 30 could go in just about anywhere. You know, yep. so that's pretty tough. I yeah. mean. Yeah, it true. doesn't really matter where you go right now. If you win, like, you've done pretty well, I feel like. Yeah, it used to be, you know, you go to Ohio places that were really tough or North Carolina. But now it's tough here in West Virginia. Yeah, yeah. I think so, too. I really do. Yeah. And a lot of our horses, I mean, they're going to national levels and big shows and stuff and running in the first division. I think that we really have, like, honest competition here. Well, look what Farley done at the Nationals last year. She yeah. placed, what, and, second? And, oh, yeah, on Stinger, right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, she done yep. good. Yeah. And Ashley Skagg, she's done really good. I mean, I can think of a handful. Taylor and Becca, I mean, they've all went and ran in the first division at some of these bigger shows. So. Yep. Yeah, that's for sure. So, we all know that you have had, you've had lots of good luck at the big shows, the world shows, uh, yeah. things like that. <coughs> So how how many times do you think you've placed at the World Show? At the World Show, uh, I'd say five or six times probably. How many times have you been? Do you think? Uh, from '09 till two years ago. Oh, Every wow. year. Yeah. 
Wow. Wow. Yeah. And same thing with the Nationals. Every yeah. year. Yep. Well, that's, there's, that's impressive. There's a thing we all like to call deedling it. <laughs> Do you know what we're referring to when we say that, Deedle? Not really. <laughs> you don't? Yeah. Honest? No. That's whatever, because we always say you would hit. You always would hit every single time. Oh. And we said you could look at the clock. He would watch that he, clock on his way home. You and he would either gun it or he would be holding him back a little, and he'd be right there every time. You were No, no, no. <laughs> oh, yes. My, my horse just knew what to do. <laughs> They knew where they needed to be yeah. to get you in the money. Yeah, they had that calculator in their brain. Yeah, yeah, Wimpy was smart like that. He knew what to run. I feel like Black was pretty good at it too, though. He was. <laughs> I feel like all your horses have been good at it, Deedle. That's probably why we call it Deedle. I got smart horses. Yes, you did. That's I was up here sure. a couple years ago at the show, and uh, Dave Hayhurst, he said, what are you going to run tonight? And I said, 16-8. <laughs> when I run <laughs> That's exactly what we're talking about. That is exactly what we're talking about right there. <laughs> oh. But I don't sandbag. Well, yeah. So what's the best you've ever placed at a big show? Uh, at the World Show, I placed third. And at the Nationals, I placed second a couple of times. I should have won them, but the girl that beat me when I'm in the place second, she was a one-day horse, and she went all the way to the fence and come out and dropped all the way to the four-D. <laughs> and beat me out. <laughs> I couldn't get mad at her, though. Yeah. Oh, no. No, no, no. So, tell us a little bit about the horses that you have now. Uh, well, Tater is a, he's a smoker. Yes, that's he, one way to put it. He's powerful. And what's his, what's his registered name? Uh, pays more to win. And how's he bred? Uh, he, he's a grandson of Dead of Honor on the top and a grandson of uh, On the Money Red on the bottom. Uh, he's bred to run and it yeah. shows. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. yes he, it does show. Now he's got the L.A. brand, so did he, I assume he came from Chuck Givens initially? Yeah, yeah Chuck's what bred him. But, you're, but that's not where you got How'd him. How'd you end no. up with him? Uh, I got him from my farrier, Mike Ager. Yeah. Okay. Traded flatbed trailer for him. <laughs> Plus some money. Of course you did. <laughs> I did, really. <laughs> so how long have you had him? Uh, about two years, I think. Okay. And that's that. That's the horse that Taylor Eastridge is, kicks butt on, right? Yeah. Usually, yeah. yeah. And tell us about Doc. Doc's a good horse. He is. Yeah. He hadn't done it this year, but he is fast. He's run 15s in this ring. Yeah. And yeah. his registered name is. Southern doctor. And he, how's he bred? Corona Cartel. Maybe? Yeah, he's Corona Cartel. Yeah. yeah. That's what yeah. I thought. And where did he come from? Uh, Julie Castelli and Glenn. Did you buy him straight from? You bought him straight from Julie. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Was he pretty much finished when you bought him, or did you finish him out? Well, she'd only had about thirty days on him. And I guess I finished him out. Yeah. Or he finished me out, or something. <laughs> <laughs> And so, what um, what vet and farrier do you use for your horses? Uh, Michael Aker is a farrier, and uh, <coughs> Lynn Sparks is a vet. The vet that you use? Yeah. Okay. She's pretty good. And Michael's from Beckley area, right? Uh, yeah. And then Lynn is from Somersville area? Somersville, yeah. Okay, I got gotcha. you. 
And what do you do during the week to keep your horses in shape? Ride them. <laughs> you just trail ride them. Well, right? that's a trail ride them. Yeah. That, that's important. Yeah, that's all they. That's all they ever get at home is trail ride. I think that's important. You know, a lot of these open horses, I don't think necessarily need to be schooled at home. And trail riding is good; keeps their wind. So. It does keeps their mind clear. Yeah. Yeah. Once they know the barrels, they don't need practice in them. Yeah. The only time mine sees the barrels is when they come through that chute. Yeah. 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 They, they know their job and they do it. Yeah. It's good. For sure. So, do you have any superstitions or anything like that with barrel racing? You have any kind of don't do that you would never do this or not do that or you wouldn't put yellow on your horse or any of those weird Where's, you don't change your socks or that's what i was getting right <laughs> wear the same socks all the time yeah. <laughs> well as long as it's not the same underwear i think we're good will you lay your will you lay your hat on your bed no no heard of that one. Oh, you haven't heard of it <laughs> okay <laughs> All right, so we just have a few more questions for you. And these yeah, you are said just, that earlier. <laughs> listen, these are just rapid fire, first thing that comes to your mind, okay? Answer quickly. I don't have a quick mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you ready? I guess. All right, so do you prefer text or phone call? Phone calls, definitely. Who do you call the most? Bobby Fraley. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Do you uh, Dash to Fame or Frenchman's Guy? Uh, Dash to Fame. Mayor Gelding. <laughs> Gelding. Yeah, you, you women are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. A four-letter word that starts with B. Busy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Last Google search. I don't do Google. <laughs> well, we, we thought you. We you weren't don't, sure. You don't look up anything on your phone? Uh, yeah, sometimes. What's the last thing you looked up? Oh, the weather. <laughs> weather, okay, there you go. Yeah. All right, and do you sleep with your socks on or off? Uh, the berries, sometimes on, sometimes off. Oh, okay. Depends, no on, depends on how cold it is. <laughs> well, Deedle, we won't take any more of your time. We really appreciate you coming on the podcast. I think all your fans on Facebook will be super excited. They will All be. the people that voted for you. So Yes. Yeah, we, we appreciate you. Any last words for the listeners? I can't think of any right off my head. All right. <coughs> okay. For all the young barrel racers, I would just keep what you're doing. You're doing great. Yep. Yes. Yep. All right. Thanks, Deedle. Thanks, Deedle. Oh, you're welcome. Man, myth, legend. Let's hear what your fellow horsemen have to say. We're here with Don Cutlip. Don, one question. What do you think of first thing whenever you hear Deedle Anderson? Funny. <laughs> He's a good fella. I love him. <laughs> Thanks, Don. Okay, Alexis. What is the first thing that comes to mind when I say Deedle Anderson? Tater. I, I think everybody would agree with that. That's for sure. That's for sure. Anything else about Deedle? Oh, that comes to mind. Well, he's the old man that walks around at barrel races. That's a smart ass. Rides around. Rides, Rides around. around on the cricket. Rides around on the cricket. Not on the horse. Not on the horse. Um, yeah, that's really about it. All right. Okay. Thanks, Alexis. <laughs> Deedle Anderson, what's the first thing you think of? Hmm tough and rough on people <laughs> he sure is that's for sure yeah. anything else that comes to mind Aiden mm, 
All right, we're here with Becky Minnick. And Becky, what's the first thing you think of when you hear Deedle Anderson? Woman. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> if any of you guys don't know, tune in to some past videos or pictures from Nationals. All right, we're here with Cody McLaughlin. Cody, what's the first thing you think of when you hear Deedle Anderson? Legend. Oh, perfect. I love it. I'm here with Doug Arthur. Doug, tell me what the first thing is that comes to mind when you hear the name Deedle Anderson. Deedle. <laughs> Thanks, Doug. We're here with Karma Hokum. Karma, I have one question for you. What comes to mind first when you hear the name Deedle Anderson? His dancing. <laughs> we haven't got that yet, so I like it. His dancing. He's always dancing. Thanks, Karma. You're welcome. We're here with Heather and Jason Heggie. Guys, what is the first thing that comes to mind whenever I say Deedle Anderson? <laughs> All laughs here. I I yeah, you probably yes, don't. You can. I can't. Oh, come on. Good guy. Good guy. He's a great, great guy. <laughs> that, that can't be it. Give us a little something. <laughs> oh, I can't do it. <laughs> All right, we'll leave it at that. This is on the spot. Hey, on the spot. On the spot. So We're here with Jonathan Olinger. So, Jonathan, when you hear Deedle Anderson, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Hmm. He's been around a while. Ever since I was a kid. I was trying to think of a nice way to say that. Jonathan. <laughs> yeah, like I said, he's been around a while because I remember being like a little kid at Winfield and me and all my buddies riding our ponies around and him and dad would be riding some dad's old too, so you know. So they've been around a while. How long, about, ago, how long ago was that? Oh uh, shoot. How old are you now? Uh twenty-six. So I mean I remember running Pee-wee. At Winfield in 05. It was probably a little later than that. So, <laughs> so I was say when I was with the Bunners and the Johnsons was probably around mm, 07. So yeah, long time ago. <laughs> Makes me sound old. Thanks, Jonathan. <laughs> We're here with Whitney, Klein, and Rick Beckwith. Rick will be right back. Rick will be right back. So we have one question now that we've pinned them down. Um, what comes to mind when you hear the name Deedle Anderson? Oh, he's a legend. <laughs> All right, Rick, no what? Doubt. The legend. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you guys heard it. <laughs> All right, Timmy. One question. What comes to mind whenever you hear Deedle Anderson? Well, Deedle has been around a long time, and, um comes to mind is his life flashing before our very eyes when he almost ran into a drag. What? That's what comes to my mind is the picture of him and Tater almost running into the drag <laughs> and I'm going, holy crap. I didn't know about that. That is what, ask Brian Skaggs. <laughs> that is what comes to my mind. The picture of Brian grabbing a hold of that horse will always be instilled whenever I see Deedle all the time. That's all I can say. 
So we heard about a lot of Deedle's good old days. That might have been a not so great day. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Thanks, Timmy. We're here with Steve Belcher. Steve Belcher. The Steve Belcher. When you hear Deedle Anderson, what's the first thing you think of? Bobby Fraley. <laughs> I like it. Thanks, Steve. promised guys here is our very first youth spotlight we thought that it would be a good idea to um, highlight some of these kids and let you guys hear for yourself all the hard work that they put into this sport um, they probably put in more work than the adults do honestly so we thought that for our first youth spotlight guest we would pick someone who's always on top that you guys might recognize her name but maybe not know all of her background or how she got into barrel racing and just a little bit about her. So that's going to be no other than Addison Clay. We're here with Addison Clay. How are you today, Addison? I'm good. Awesome. Tell us a little bit about your runs today. Well, I ran a 14.7. My horse was just really trying. We got a little too close on second and knocked it, but I was still really happy with her. Oh, yeah, you can't be mad at that for sure. So Addison, we thought um, since this is kind of a youth spotlight, we would kind of go back and get a little bit of history maybe so do you want to tell us how long you've been riding horses when you started riding horses yeah I've always been riding horses but I actually just started barrel racing you know MBHA and got Indy like three years ago I'd always wanted to do it and had a pony and so I just begged my parents you know bugged them all the time <laughs> and then now we're here and I got her and I got sugar so that's kind of how it all started where did you get Indy from from Cody and Whitney McGoughlin and did you, was she finished or did you finish her out? She was pretty much finished. She just needed some more speed added, but they had her pretty well finished. Awesome. And what about Sugar? Because she's pretty, she, she's pretty new, right? Yeah, she is. I just started running her last year. My cousin had her, then she decided she didn't want to do it anymore. So I got her. And then we kind of just went back and took it slow because she wasn't really ready and her mind wasn't there. And then over time, she just really got good and we just did a lot of slow work. And now she's running in the top, so... Yeah. Really happy about that. Now she's out of uh, making you famous. Yep, right? she's that out of Molly making you famous. Mm -hmm. Okay, oh, yep. that's what I thought. So did she come from out west? Or? She did. She actually come from. Well, I got her. We got her from a lady in Pennsylvania, and she got her from the Martha Josie Clinic whenever she went up there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. Cool. I know that's a super nice mare. Well, both of them are very nice mares. Thank so you. tell us about maybe some of your recent accomplishments on them. Um. I ran the fastest time at Good Evening Ranch during the state show, but then knocked with sugar. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and then I ran, well, I got second in the youth in the finals on Indy. Um, we went to some big shows this year, and both of them placed in the top everywhere we went within like five and six, and then like eight and ten. So That's great. Yeah. That's awesome. So who would you... Um, who would you say has been the most influential with your barrel racing? He's helped you. Oh, my parents, my grandparents, David Payne, Cody and Whitney. They've all helped me so much, and I wouldn't be where I am today without any of them. It takes a team, that's for sure. Yes, it does. It takes a big team. So I know that you said that you had a pony, and Indy was kind of your first, like, true real barrel horse. Yeah. But um, did it come to you naturally, or is it something that you had to work at? Um, or did you have a pretty good seat and, like, ability to ride before Indy? Or? I, it did come pretty naturally, but it took a lot of work and a lot of slowing down because even whenever we got Indy, she was definitely way ahead of me, so we slowed her down, and then 
you know, I went to Dave's all the time. We, I was there for about a whole year, and he's really who helped me, you know, get going and get started and understand everything. But, you know, as far as learning to ride her, it was really definitely a learning curve. Yeah. Though, do you live close to David or? About 45 minutes. So not too Yeah, long. it's not bad. Not too far. I remember David from when I was your age running. Yeah. So he's been doing it a long time. Oh, yeah. He had that, I think, it, um, John Bar Traction or something maybe. Was that mayor's name? I can't remember. But, yes, he's definitely been doing it a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, do you want to tell us a little bit about how you keep your horses in shape? And Yeah, I try to work them at least three to five times a week. And whenever I get home from school, I work them. And if the Maybe. ring's bad, I trail ride. Um, just always just going back to slow work, going back to the basics. You know, I don't do a whole lot of running or anything at home. Just really go back to the basics. Awesome. Um, so, tell us maybe what's your favorite saddle my martin stingray i've had a couple others same girl and yep and then i got that one i was like whoa nice. you know, it's a game changer huh? yeah mm-hmm. yeah i thought i liked my other ones then i got that one i was like ooh. Same. definitely don't want to go back to anything else same yeah. i love them and who is your vet and farrier my vet is tommy kirkpatrick but if we have you know really serious issue he'll send us to woodland run um, and our farrier is Randy Hanshaw. Oh, Randy's been chewing a long yep. time too. I used to show with Alicia. So, yeah, he's definitely a, a good farrier. So, Addison, do you have any superstitions, anything you will or will not do when it comes to barrel racing? Um, honestly, not really. I just kind of go with it and, you know, whatever happens, happens. Uh, I mean, you know, I change my mind sometimes and whatever's working's working at the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I think that's a good way to look it's at it. It's working for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely working for you. All right, so these are just some random rapid-fire questions, okay? okay? So do you prefer text or call? I prefer text. Same. Who do you text the most? Probably my mom. <laughs> I <call> a lot. <laughs> uh, Frenchman's guy or Dash to Fame? Dash to Fame. Both of mine are dashed to fame. Mayor so Gelding? Mayor. Mm, yeah. sure. Love my mares. Uh, Four-letter word that starts with B. That starts with B. Bear. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is your last Google search? A stud horse. <laughs> <laughs> True girl racer fashion. I like it. And do you sleep with your socks on or off? Off. Well, Addison, thank you so much for taking your time to chat with us today. I think that you are awesome and someone that other youth can look up to and even adults can learn something from you. So thank you for taking your time. Thank you very much for interviewing me. To wrap up this episode of the podcast, we thought that we might give you guys a little insight on what it takes us and how we prepare for a show and a big show at that with IBRA Nationals coming up. And this is strictly our opinions and just what works best for us. So we thought you guys maybe would like a little insight on that. I know you're prepping for nationals this week. So what are some of your, um, what are some of the things that you have to do to get ready to go? Well, a lot goes into it, especially a show this caliber that's almost a week long. So it's a little bit different than what I would typically do for a day show or even just a weekend show around home. Um, So first I start with the inside of the trailer, getting it really clean, our clothes packed, hats, 
we're manifesting some wins over here. <laughs> we'll need those for our win pictures. That's um, right. <laughs> but just getting the inside of it prepped and ready, and we take dogs down the road with us. So getting everything ready for them too. And then the horse part, I usually save for second, just because there's a lot more that goes into it. And I double and triple check that we have everything especially this far from home and no one able to like bring us something if we forget it and we don't have you know 50 or 60 people we know at that show it's maybe 10 or 15 of us going out there so and I, not traveling together yes yeah so I usually um, do the horse part next pack all of our tack make sure that it's clean I um, am a big believer in you um, perform how you feel and to, for me to feel good I have to have things clean and look good. You have so. to have sparkles. Yes presentation. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I make sure all the tacks clean before I even pack it. Wash boots, wipe down saddles, wipe down the head stalls, leather, conditioner, the whole nine yards usually before big shows so that that's like three or four times a year. I don't do that for every small show but it's um, a lot of work. Yes, it is a lot of work. So I do that, and then I pack medicine kits, and so anything and everything that we would need for our horses, for our dogs, um, you know, even some stuff we can use on ourselves, but mostly the animals. <laughs> yeah, I really feel like um, we get the short end of the stick when it comes to stuff like that, because the animals definitely get priority. Yeah. So I, um, with my background in veterinary medicine, I don't ever want to have to go somewhere and pay for something that I can do. So I keep a small pharmacy and, um, yes. and just prepare for that. So a lot goes into that. Um, and I think that that's pretty much it other than I pack feed and grain and hay and, you know, anything like that that we would need as far as that goes. Always make sure that I bed down the trailer good, that it smells good, that it's clean and fresh. Um, and when you do that, when you said feed, it made me think, um, how do you pack your feed? Do you just take a whole bag or do you divvy it out or? It depends. Usually I just take a bag. Um, but for nationals in particular, this is the only the one place that I've done it. And I'll continue to do it is I prepackage it in little baggies just because I think that it's a little bit harder to know like how much grain I'm gonna need and then it's already just ready to go. Oh that's a good idea because you're not I guess when you're at home you don't really pay any attention to how or I don't pay any attention to how much grain I feed like yeah how, how much grain does one horse eat like over you know it's not like a weekend show where you're you know you're not gonna run out and being 10 hours from home that would be something that would make me nervous too running out because you may or may not be able to find what you're feeding yeah so that way I don't even have to worry about it and like we have seven horses at home so I know how much we go through in a week for, for all seven, seven horses. horses but like Hank and Bernice get different rations and so I don't know how much they use in one week individually um, I know yeah, I, so that helps with that I know that I used to just pack, pack the bag in but I gotta say that recently, well, the last two years, last summer, I started actually prepackaging all of my feed. I do it like every time, and I just have a 
and I just use like gallon, which I don't, my horses only get between three to five pounds once a day. So it's yeah. of grain. So like I'm not somebody that feeds two scoops twice a day. So it might be a little different if you did that, but yeah, you I like have to, to get little bigger bags. But yeah, but I, I use, use the gallon, the gallon bag. bags and, it, and they actually really work perfectly. And then like I do, um, care fate as well. And so I can, I can like, I just put that, put it in there. In don't there. You? Yeah. yeah. I just put it in the bag and that way it's there and I don't have to bring the whole jug and you know, yeah, that's really nice. So that, that I have found is what works best for me. And I feel like my little bag doesn't take as much room as a whole bag of feed. You know, you could hang it or throw it in the floor or, you know, whatever you want to do. So I yeah. feel like it doesn't take up as much room. And I talked a little bit about like a first aid kit preparation and things like that. But you saying care fate reminded me of it. Um, I always make sure that I have the medications and extra of them that I use every time, which we're pretty much the same in that. But Carafate, um, Gastroguard, and Dute. Um, yes, I know with Chesney last year, I learned a massive lesson about ulcers and hauling. And, you know, she's the most chill horse on the planet. And I would have never guessed that horse had ulcers. No, I mean, I've been around horses that have had ulcers and I see it and I would have never guessed that she had them. No. Never so, a sign other no. than until she did. <laughs> no. And then when she colicked twice on me last year, you know, it was like a big, like, eye-opening event for me because, you know, my horses live outside most of the time. And so... I feel like, you know, pretty much all the things that I do are good for ulcer prevention. Um, and I would holler with, you know, I would do Carefake sometimes or GastroGuard sometimes, but I wasn't religious about it. And um, that will never, ever, ever happen again. And every horse on the trailer will haul with it. So I know you think your horse may not need it, and that's fine. And maybe you can go forever without it. But if you even remotely have it, like inkling that that horse might have some issues just give it it is not that expensive to do so yeah so normally we keep um we do like care fate each morning and evening when we're at a show and then we yep. do gastroguard once a day and then i usually give my horses some view if it's a long weekend um just but, because even if they don't have like my horses are really maintained and we go to the vet and they get all of the care they need but feel like these horses work really hard and they get some muscle soreness and I think that it's normal for even human athletes after oh, they run sure. a sprint or a marathon you know yep. they're gonna pop some ibuprofen for muscle yep. soreness and stuff like that so my horses always get a little bit of that either butte or equiox um, well and I think it's important um, to go back to the care fate and just say that if you are going to do the care fate you cannot give that with anything else you can't give that and the gastroguard together or, you, you know, whatever. Yeah, you have to give that um, several hours, usually a couple hours apart from feed or any other medication or anything like that because it will actually keep their gut from, it's not going to hurt them, but you're basically throwing money down the drain because the gastroguard or whatever you give after it, that care fate coats their stomach and so it's going to keep it from absorbing anything else. Yeah, so if you're going to do the carafate, then do it, do it first thing in the morning, um, or, and then wait a couple hours and then give your other stuff. So just a FYI, if you guys are 
if you do listen to anything that we say or take or take anything, want to try anything that we're trying, um, I, that's why I wanted to add that in there. So. And those medications work very differently, and they both have their place. So definitely ask your veterinarian um, how those work if you're interested in that and what's right for you. But that's just what we do for our horses. And, right. And yeah, that's that was recommended to us. I was going to say that was recommended to me from my vet for Chesney was to use both. Um, so you, your vet may tell you that, you know, he doesn't feel like you need to. So um, definitely don't, you know, we're, we are not vets, but that was just what um, my vet had recommended to me. So, so I, um, other than that, really, that's as far as the prep goes, you know, of course, the day of, I always make sure that my horses are bathed and looking good, that they have their fly masks on. I always haul down the road with fly masks. Yes. Um, that's a must for me because we do have sawdust in our trailer or shavings um, to help keep their footing. And so I don't want that blowing around in their face. And hay, you know, we always keep hay in front of our horses hauling down the road. And so fly masks are just a must for me. And I'm going to play, not that I disagree, because I do agree 100%, but I am going to play devil's advocate here because although we do agree on a lot of things, and this isn't a disagreement, but just... We, we have differing opinions on some things and I I don't care to haul with a, with a fly mask and I do think it's a good idea um, but I'm probably not not as um, adamant about it I think is what you are probably um, yeah I you because with me I'm always like I go back and forth with it because I agree with everything you say I think you have to you know because when I pull my horse out of the trailer she's dusty from shavings and stuff blowing around so you know that stuff blows around yeah and then you you know you don't want hay to scratch their eye but then I always go back because I know somebody who had a fly mask on their horse and they got the horse had gotten a piece of hay in the fly mask and it had like rubbed their eye because it was like stuck in the fly mask so now me and my you know hypochondriac self I I just I go back and forth with it yeah, and that's, I mean, we definitely have differing opinions on some things, and she has a solid reason behind hers, and I have a solid reason behind mine. I yep. actually used to haul without one, Yep. and my horse um, got an ulcer from what we assume poked in the eye or something. Like, when she got off the trailer, we knew it happened on the trailer. She got on the trailer fine and got off the trailer squinting, her eye running, and then she ended up getting a nasty ulcer. And would a fly mask have prevented that? Maybe not, but it could have. And so um, that just comes recommended from my vet. And if I if I can try to prevent something like that, you know, I certainly will. And I haven't had any more issues since then. But, you know, you don't know if that's the fly mask or just luck. <laughs> right, yeah. No, for sure. I mean, and that's what... And she's not wrong, and, and I don't feel like I'm wrong either. You know, it's just you have to do in scenarios like that what you feel like is best for you and um, you guys will find on this podcast that what works for one might not work for all and that's not any there's nothing wrong with that yeah yeah that's for sure so let's talk a little bit about on the actual trailer for the trip um i know that ashley and i both agree on this if it is over 60 degrees we're dropping the windows yes 
Um, I don't think that enough people realize how quickly a trailer heats up with the body heat of a horse. There was actually a study that I was reading at one time and it was like 18 to 20 degrees difference just with their body heat on there. Wow. Yeah. Um, and that's in the winter too. Like they did studies of like every, uh, every season and it wasn't necessarily hotter in the summer either. It was just kind of across the board and so I always try to keep that in mind. So we just always make sure to open the windows if it's at least 60 or above and um, make sure the vents are cracked and turned the appropriate way so you can get airflow and that type of thing. And then in turn in cold weather um, we're usually we are a little bit different with this but me personally um, I'm not going to blanket them until it gets below 30, so in the 20s, because I'm thinking at that point, if if studies are correct, you're at 40, 50 degrees in the trailer. In the trailer by the time that they get their body heat, um, so I usually don't blanket unless it's. Below I feel like 30. it matters too how many horses are on the trailer. You have to think about that. If you have a whole trailer full, it you know you know I think that would make a difference. Or if you just have one horse, not yeah. Obviously, it would warm it up, but. Um, that I think that's something else to keep in mind. If you have a trailer full of horses, you could probably maybe even go a little colder before you, like, you know what I mean? It yeah. Just, I mean. Depend. And you yeah. usually, what, when, when do you blanket? It dep I don't blanket very often. Yeah. Um, I had a vet tell me one time that they're better off to be cold than hot. Yeah. And I know that whenever I am traveling or if I'm, my biggest thing that I go off of is if I'm, if I don't feel well. So if I don't feel well, I would rather be a little bit cold than a little bit hot because I feel like being hot makes me feel worse. So I don't know if that's the correct way to think about it, but that's that's kind of what I do. So I'm not saying that I will not like it, um, but it, it definitely has to, for me, it probably has to be honestly probably cold enough that I would rarely... Um, haul <laughs> so right but if I did have to I would but I would put probably a cooler or it would it would not probably be a real blanket like it yeah. would be a cooler or probably a cooler is what I would do that's usually what I and if you guys aren't familiar with what she's talking about like a fleece cooler it's like a thin fleece blanket people call them coolers because um well I don't really know why <laughs> well I I guess because it wicks. There's the, it, yeah, it wicks moisture, but it really doesn't cool them. Right. Um, so, anyways, we'll we'll find out for Not you. Not experts maybe one on day. that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I usually use coolers when I blanket too. But I have been meaning to do this. There is like this thermometer that you can put in your trailer, and it'll show you on your phone. Um, and I think the distance on it like the range is 500 feet or something crazy like people have it for their horse trailers yeah and so I, I want to get one of those thermometers because I think it would make me feel better it knowing exact, exactly how especially hot or cold it is in there yeah and to know when should we blanket and I think people need like mostly don't realize either I didn't until I started reading that article like or really thinking about it that it's not just like us hauling in a trailer. I mean, horses are constantly moving and balancing and they're working and using their muscles, so they're staying warm that way. Right. And we have hay in front of them, so they're generating body hay. Yeah, so. I've, and I think, I know this sounds crazy, but because we do haul together, it's made me realize because 
Um, I feel like most people don't haul a lot with other people, so they don't get to maybe haul in other trailers, but where I do, I know I have a sundowner, and my, my windows are, they're really big, so like I get a lot of air in my windows, and they have an excess, and their trailers are, their windows are not as big, so I feel like we probably open your all's windows wider and more than what we would mind because I I feel like you could my trailer feels like air conditioning in it like the windows are so big in it yeah so I think you have to think you have to look at those things too if you have an older trailer um that has tiny or if you have drop down windows yeah there's like there's a lot of different you know aspects and you can close those babies up pretty tight in the winter so um, the only time that I typically will blanket in the winter is if I haul, have to haul in the stock trailer for some reason then I will think about it because it doesn't seal off as tight so that's you know that's something else to think about as well yeah so I think another thing we can touch base on is um, shavings there's always a controversy of if you use shavings or pellets in your trailer or if you don't at all um, I personally do I know that there I've had even some respiratory horses that um, you know it, usually that's not ideal to do with but in general I just kind of think that it's better for them to um, have a little bit of dust or smell a little bit of dust and some of that flies around but um, we use pellets and usually they're a little bit damp and so it doesn't do it as bad yes. um, and also I think it's better than them like smelling ammonia and like exactly. I think that I, I think there are pros and cons to to both but us personally we we haul and make sure that they have something underneath of them again we keep our windows down a lot and so it won't be anything for us to be going down the road and it's sprinkling or raining and we still have the windows down so for that like I would that would make me nervous for the floor to get wet and slick if we didn't do that right yeah I, I agree I I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong and especially like she said if you have a horse that has some form of allergy some I mean sometimes you just can't and there's nothing wrong with that but um I know like my my horses pee on the trailer some some people's horses don't like to pee on the trailer but mine do pee on the trailer and um I think just you know not having something in there to absorb some of that even just not, not just it smelling but just splashing up on everything and getting all Slick. over and a lot of horses don't like that when it splashes you know up on them so um I, I do agree with the shavings and I don't know I feel like people I've never done it so I don't know, maybe we'll get your opinion on it, but have you seen where people say if you put ice in the shavings in the floor that it cools the trailer down? Do you think there's any, uh, do you think there's anything to that? I think there probably is. I could see where it would cool it down some. Now, if you're on a six or seven hour haul, I don't think that it's going to keep it gonna cool, last. cooler for the whole haul. Yeah, but I, I think there's probably some truth to that, especially with the trailers I mean they almost are a little bit insulated and with the flooring and stuff that they have so I could see that making a difference I've personally never tried it I've never felt like it was hot enough in my trailer for us to worry about it now if my horses were sitting still or something but we're big about 
if it's really hot outside, like, we don't stop and sit down and eat. Yeah. You know, we try to keep airflow on them. So, so I think um, something else that I feel like is a, a topic where I feel like I feel like you have you have either one or the other um, is like blankets, um, not not winter blankets, but like PHE blankets, back on track blankets, and then wrapping legs in the trailer. So, what are your thoughts on those two things? So, back on track is a no for me um, in the trailer personally because I don't want my horses warm and hot in the trailer. The only way that I would do that is probably if it was 20 or below, which is hardly ever right. in West but, Virginia. But we would if it's that cold. Yeah, we ain't yeah. going anywhere. Number one, if it's that cold, you're probably not seeing me outside. <laughs> Number two, um, we, we probably have a lot of snow usually when it's that cold, and right. so we're just not hauling. But so that's why I say it's a no for me because I've never had a situation where it was cold enough for me to feel comfortable doing that. Um, you don't want to fry your horse's legs. You know, constant heat um, on their ligaments and tendons can be damaging. And so I always try to keep that in mind. On top of just them being uncomfortable. I mean, if my legs and my body was hotter than, like, that's comfortable for me, I mean, uh, right. wouldn't want that. So. And especially standing. Like, you know, that working and trying to keep your balance. Yeah. Um, now, as far as the only blanket that I would haul with... Um, in warm weather on a trailer. I would use a PHT blanket, um, MagnaQ, and the reason behind that is I think it's a really good product. I, I, especially on a long trip, like so to nationals, we're going on an eight hour trip probably by the time stops and stuff. I think it's nice just to keep their muscles loose and um, feeling good and them not get sore and things like that. I don't think it's a necessity, but I don't think that it's a bad idea. Um, those sheets being mesh, they get They're like a plenty, Yes, they get plenty of um, airflow through them. And the copper in the MagnaQ um, blanket actually has a cooling effect. So if anything, it's going to make them a tad bit cooler than nothing. Yeah. Um, wraps, leg wraps. I think that they are a good idea if you have a horse that kicks or stocks up or something like that. Now. To go an hour down the road, I'm probably not going to worry about it personally with my horses. I don't have horses that kick. I don't have any that you have to worry about that with. But on a long ride, um, if they stock up or something like that, the same thing. They have the copper in them, so they're going to cool if anything. But if I do that, I'm still probably going to check when we stop to give them water. Their legs are getting on. Right. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I feel like less is more most of the time. Um, I do like, I think there's a time and place for back on track and for PHT. Um, I probably don't use back on track for the same thing that a lot of people use it for. Um, but I definitely would not use them in the trailer. Uh, I mean, like you said, maybe if it was cold, but I doubt it. I doubt I would ever use them in the trailer. PHTs, I, I don't care. Like you, if I had some a horse that's stocked up or something like that, I wouldn't care to use um, PHT, but, um, and I agree, I, I agree about the, the PHT blankets that are mesh. I, I don't feel like I use flash sheets at home and, you know, leave the horses out in the sun and, you know, when I bring them in, they're not sweaty or anything. So I do, I don't feel like they make them hot. Yeah. Um, I actually, um, 
have thought about recently, like starting the haul Bernice in the PHT boots because she somehow, some way, always gets a cut on her back leg on the trailer. She doesn't kick, so I don't know how she does it, but yeah. I just thought that that might keep that from happening, and so I might do that. Um, but if I did, again, I would make sure that her legs weren't getting warm or anything like that because it's definitely not something we want to do. Well, and there may be other reasons why people do that, and, you know, in my opinion, there's nothing wrong with that as long as you're, um, I, I just think the key is to make sure that their legs are not getting too hot. Um, yeah, I you agree. Know? Yep. So, wrapping is not, it's not a bad thing, but I, just be careful with, you know, how you're doing it and, and what you're using whenever you do it, and just think about, I know they're not people, um, but, you know, just think about your horse actually being comfortable going down the road and not being miserable with, you know, wraps and blankets and, you know, just a million things, um, standing on the trailer trying to stand up. I mean, I don't, I don't think that would be fun for me, so. Yeah. I'm always thinking when I do anything and soft rods make me think of this, um, I think soft rods are great, and I think especially for long hauls, like if you cushion their feet, it probably feels good. Mm -hmm. um, but I've, I'm always the person that's trying to look at it from every angle before I commit to something, just because I think that sometimes you can do damage and not realize. And with soft rods, I think that you really have to have the right insert. I don't think that you can just use the same insert for every horse and what comes with it works because it depends on the horse and their shoe type. Um, and so that makes a big difference for me. Um, I, if I've had a horse with some front feet soreness here and there or whatever for one reason or another, I used to have a couple navicular horses. I would use it on them. Um, and I, I do think that it made them more comfortable. Um, but, I, again, I think there's a time and place. And I think that if you're not making sure that that insert is correctly lined up and things like that, it can be uncomfortable. I mean, so oh, all those inserts sure. have, like... The frog build up in them, That's and if you I don't have thinking. that in the like right plate, I can't imagine how uncomfortable that would be. Well, and I'm thinking about horses because I have um, Happy has pads on, and I, I I I could not put a boot like that that has that has the frog built up on. I mean, how bad, how uncomfortable would that be having all that extra pressure with a pad because it couldn't actually go up where it's supposed to. Yeah, we actually, I used to, Hank has terrible feet, and he has since we've had him, and I used to haul him in those when we went on longer trips, but when he got his aluminum pad from the podiatrist at Rude and Riddle, I had to stop using them because the same thing, like, I just felt like it was more uncomfortable than helpful. Yeah, I definitely, I just, I just think you have to think things through, and, you know, all these fun, cool gadgets are, you know, they have a, a place but just really be mindful of using them in the correct place and for the correct things. And, you know, just like, just like the pads with those inserts and, and different things like that. Just really think about, you know, what you're doing and, and always, you know, talk to your vet about stuff. I, I think that your vet's your, you know, best advocate because they understand the anatomy that is, you know, that we don't understand. So I think if you have any questions, definitely ask your vet about it. Yeah, I think the only other thing that I can think of, at least, going down the road is um, stopping and making sure that they have water. Mm -hmm. That's a big thing for me. Even though my horses don't like to drink on the trailer, 
it makes me feel better to stop at least I would say at least every three hours yeah and offer him a drink and usually the dogs have to go pee by then or we do or we need a snack anyway so it's not too much trouble but that's really important for me is making sure they stay hydrated yeah is there anything else that you can think of for trailering that I don't think so I feel like we've covered at least the the basics of it and maybe you know you guys we're, we're not saying that we're right that's just the things that we do but maybe you know it'll get you thinking about you know things going down the road next time yeah so i think pretty much for preparation that's it guys um maybe one day on another episode we'll get into how we approach or go about things at the actual show but i think for now going into nationals maybe you guys can get a tipper or two from this and if not maybe we uh bide some time for you going down the road listening to the podcast (laughs) yeah nothing else maybe we're bored for 30 minutes well that's all for this podcast guys thanks for listening and stay tuned for our next episode Thanks for listening to our podcast, where we're not so rich, not so famous, but but we're we're all trying trying to be. be.